This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today on CityCast Chicago, the writer's strike may be seen as something only affecting Hollywood or New York, but newsflash, Members of the Writers Guild of America also live and work in Chicago and many write shows we all watch and love. And they're not writing new ones until studios meet some of their demands for better pay and job security. Zaid Ayers Dorn is a member of WGA East. The playwright and Northwestern professor tells us why pencils are down and the union's fight is so critical right now. It's Thursday, May 4th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Zay, welcome to the program. Uh, can you run down, just for you know your average CityCast listeners, what the WGA wants from studios in a new contract? Of course. Thanks for having me, Jacoby. Um, you know, basically what we ha- what we want is really simple. We want a deal from the studios that allows us, you know, to share in the success of the content we create and and that makes writing a sustainable career. Um, you know, you might hear on the news about writers who are making tons of money, you know, writing hit shows and everything. But the fact of the matter is that the vast majority, the rank and file of the Writers Guild, you know, struggle to make a living doing the work we do. And meanwhile, the content we create is making studios and studio heads rich. And, and we're just asking for a small proportion of, of the proceeds from the work we make. We've seen television, particularly online and streaming, blow up yeah. in the last decade. What does that share look like for writers? Yeah, that's a great question. It's been six years since we did a real negotiation of our collective bargaining agreement. And that's because three years ago, the last time our agreement expired was the middle of the pandemic. So we didn't get a chance to renegotiate at that time. Um, you know, and in six years, just like you said, you can imagine all the changes that have taken place in the industry. What's happened in terms of streaming, right, and and the end of kind of a lot of uh, theatrical distribution of motion pictures, moving most of the kind of network shows to streaming. In a lot of ways, that's been good for the content we create, for the number of shows out there. But it also means, you know, uh, shorter season orders for shows. So uh, most shows that used to make 20 episodes a year now make six or eight. Yeah, and we see a lot more miniseries exactly, with the streaming. And, you and see is more like 10 episodes. That's joints. right. That's right. And the studios have shifted over to what they call mini rooms, which is basically hiring writers for very short periods of time at minimum uh, salaries to kind of create shows that may or may not get picked up. And that's just not a sustainable way for writers to to live. And, and essentially what they're trying to do, and of course, a lot of the studios are now owned by these big tech companies, they're trying to make writing into a gig economy type of job, right? Where instead of having a year-long employment or even a six-month-long employment, you're just kind of struggling for gigs moment to moment, hoping that next week you might have a job. And so we're asking for guaranteed time in the room, guaranteed numbers of writers to write the shows we write, and then, you know, participation in the back end when those shows actually uh, are successful. 
I mean, people are familiar that in Chicago we have some some shows that are made right here in the city. We think of The Bear or The Shy, and obviously you got Chicago Fire, Chicago Man, Chicago <laughs> PD, Chicago Dance Academy, right. Chicago Trumpeter, Chicago, <laughs> right? You got so many different ones. But are the writers behind those shows, are they also, some of them, living here in Chicago as well? Yeah, some of the, the writers for those shows are here and, and shows like The Red Line, too. But, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of writers who write for shows that are not based in Chicago live here in Chicago, uh, you know, because of streaming, because of, um, you mm. know, virtual meetings and work from home and the pandemic and everything. A lot of writers who used to be based in L.A. and New York have now moved home, moved back to Chicago, be near family and stuff. And so a lot of us write for, for shows or for films that, that are not that have nothing to do with Chicago. But this is where we live. This is where we're, we're based. And then, of course, like you said, there is this you know, production that happens in Chicago around these Chicago based shows. But, you know, writers, it's a national guild, the Writers Guild of America, East and West. It's their sister unions. We all are in this together. We're all striking in solidarity. It doesn't really matter, ultimately, as writers, where we live. It matters, you know, that we're all kind of in this together and, and striking for the same thing. Can you tell us a little bit more about your TV and writing work that you've done here from, from Chicago? Sure. I mean, I'm mostly a, a playwright and a professor, you know, like a lot of us in Chicago, I do different things for my writing. I also write podcast audio stuff. But, um, you know, I've written, I've been in writer's rooms for A24. I'm developing a feature with Netflix. I'm developing a television show on Peacock Network. So a lot of the work I do, you know, I do from here um, while I'm teaching, while I'm working on my plays. But I, you know, I write television and, and film stuff that, I, you know, I, I can do it from here because I can meet with my collaborators over Zoom and I can take trips when I need to, to New York and LA. And I've got a lot of friends in New York and LA who are TV writers who are walking the picket lines right now. So I think it's important for us in Chicago to, you know, to stand with them. I've seen so many individuals come out speaking in solidarity with the union. You know, what is the benefit of writers being in the union? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, first I'll say it's not just the Writers Guild, right? We're supported by nearly every major entertainment and media union in the country. So SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, the DGA, the uh, Directors Guild, the Teamsters Union, which is the you know truck drivers and food services people. So really the entire industry is standing behind this strike. And if, if we're just standing one by one, even very successful writers, even writers who have hit shows, the, the way they get treated, the way they get compensated is just ultimately going to be um, less than they deserve because the, the, the studios, the producers are powerful. They have the money and they have the, the mechanism of production. So what we have to do is stand together and say, look, none of the work you all do happens without writers. We are the beginning of the process. And without scripts, the work of scripted television and scripted film cannot happen. So standing in solidarity is a way for all of us to say, you know, look, this is what our work is worth. If you want to make the shows and to make the films that, that make these giant multinational companies billions of dollars, you need to share that wealth with writers. And if you don't, if you're not making writing a sustainable career, then we will withdraw our labor and, um, and you will have to, to reckon with what that looks like when, when you can't make uh, the, the product that you are trying to sell. As a serial auditioner here in the city, you know, I'm, I'm offered mostly non-union work yeah. uh, when I'm going in for these auditions. Is that the same for writers? Is there this split between what you can be offered and what that looks like if you're working non-union versus inside? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a lot of, you know, independent film and, and, and some of the independent production that happens in Chicago, some of that is non-union. 
But, you know, like with actors, writers, if you, if you reach a certain point, if you're able to work for what they call a guild signatory company, meaning a company big enough to work with guild writers, they are required to meet certain minimums that the guild establishes. So once you're a member of the Writers Guild, you can't work for under guild minimums and you exactly. can't write for companies that aren't signatories. And again, that's a way, just like with Actors' Equity or SAG or anything else, of saying, if you want to work with professionals, you have to pay professional rates. Now, yeah, I mean, a lot of work happens. You know, people make their own films. People make their own work. I, I work also as a playwright. I'm a member of the Dramatist Guild. So I'm very used to making work that isn't supported by the WGA. But when you make work for these big companies, you know, when I write a film for Netflix, it's important that I have the backing of the union because otherwise a company that big is just going to be able to do whatever they want. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Obviously, you have another job. You're director of the MFA Writing for Screen and Stage Program at Northwestern. Um, you know, is another job necessary in terms of economic stability? Can writers make it just on TV and film work? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there, of course, there are some writers who you know who make it. There are writers who who you know whose names you know who have become famous television writers and can kind of uh, live full time for an entire career off the shows they've made. But there are that's less than one percent of the of the writers out there, right? Most writers need some other work, and part of the reason we're striking is to say, look, this is not a sustainable career right now for the vast, vast, vast majority of writers. And I don't just mean everybody who wants to be a writer; I mean everybody who has dedicated their time and has reached this level of professionalism to join the guild. Even the vast majority of those people can't make a full time living writing, and that's because not enough of the proceeds of our labor are going back to the writers who create the content. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, some years, most of us writers, if we have a good year, we might live off our writing, but doing that year after year after year after year is hard. And so you need, you know, some other way to, uh, to make a living if you're trying to support a family. Um, and we need to have kind of a, a system in place uh, that, that where writing can be a career where you can, if you're, if you've reached a certain level of success, and people want to hire you year after year that you're able to actually make a living and make that your career. What is it like to go back into a classroom with students who are hoping to make a career writing and they're hearing about this strike? What what are you hearing from them in terms of their fear and their concern about what's ahead for them in their careers and if this is a, a sustainable path forward? I hear a lot from them. And of course, they're worried about just reaching that first step. How do I even get to join the guild? How do I you know, make get my first sale? And so they're, they're, but they're also thinking, especially my, my MFAs who are graduating this year, they're thinking, wow, am I going to graduate right into the teeth of a strike? So even if I were able to get my work out there, I'm not allowed to sell it. You know, I, I can't make a deal right now. And what I tell them is what people told me when I was an emerging writer, which is, you know, writers are striking right now, not just for us right now, but for the future of writing as a career. And so this will be a you know short-term pain for us and for the industry in the interests of long-term gains for the workability and dignity of writing as a career. So I tell my students, you know, it's going to be a hard 
couple of months, maybe a hard summer if the studios don't come back to the table. But ultimately, we're all standing in solidarity so that we can make this a better future for all of us. We just did an episode where we asked chat GPT some mm-hmm. questions and it sort of wrote us up like a, a, a start to a term paper. I also know that that's something the WGA is is sort yeah. of going back and forth with studios about. And I imagine your students have questions about that as well. How does the future of AI uh, work uh, in some ways against um, the, your profession? Is, is that a realistic fear right now? It's certainly something people are talking about a lot. And, you know, our, our guild went, one of our, our requests to the studios during the negotiation was to say, we need to establish an agreement about the future of AI. Now, nobody thinks AI right now is replacing writers. I mean, ChatGPT can do some amazing things, but it's not very good at writing scenes. <laughs> Complicated or writing, dialogue. Uh, original stories, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we all know that, that, that it's going to get better. It's going to get more sophisticated. And one of the things we're saying to them is ChatGPT, like, the computer, like Google, it can be a tool for writing, but it can't replace writers. You can't you can't uh, bring in an AI and say write a, a, a template for a script and then hire a writer for two days to kind of rewrite it and punch it up instead of hiring a writer for you know two months to write a script. The work that AI makes has to be considered a tool of what the writer is using and not a replacement for human beings who are actually making the content. And the studios didn't come back with any. Uh, counteroffer to that at all. They just said, you know, we'll have annual meetings to talk about the future of AI. And that's just, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. As you sit down with these young writers, what advice do you give them to help them with their confidence that not only do they have the capabilities and the create, creative uh, talent to be successful as writers, but also making them aware of the different opportunities, maybe not just sort of the late night TV writing, which we've seen has been the most immediately, uh, like visibly impacted by this strike, but also other creative outlets for them to to get their work out and to get paid for it. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, one of the things that that I think all writers have to have a certain kind of courage, all artists, all creative people, right, to go out into the world and say, I'm going to I'm going to try to make a living or make a career out of being a creative person, out of making work out there in the world. That's a very brave and, and, and sometimes reckless choice. And I admire it in my, in my students. And so one of the things we try to talk to them about is like, that's a lifelong struggle. Nobody gets into a creative field and says, okay, good, I'm done. I made it. This is, this, this, this worked out, but it is, it's, it's, it's a kind of a constant thing of what do you want to make? What does the world want to hear? How can you kind of, find a place where what you want to write, what you want to make, what you want to put into the world is something that you can be compensated for, is something that you can, you know, that you can find an audience for. And one of the great things about the moment we're living in, I mean, we talked about the dangers of something like AI, but the great thing about, you know, about the internet, about podcasting, about independent film, about phones in our cameras is more than ever before, we're at a moment when creative people can make their own work. They can go out and and create independent work and put it out into the world and find an audience. So I'm always encouraging my students to do that independently, not to rely on the gatekeepers and and tastemakers of the the industry, but to, to do their own original work and to see what happens. Jose, I appreciate you making time for CityCast Chicago to talk a little bit, not only about your story, but also providing context for our listeners for what's going on in this strike. Uh, Thank you so much. Thanks, Jacoby. Appreciate the great conversation. Today is day three of the strike, the first one since 2008. That one lasted three months. 
The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers said the main sticking points with the Writers Guild are mandatory staffing and duration of employment for writers staffing a show. Late night shows and SNL have stopped production and will show reruns. Soap operas will be the shows impacted next and the fall television season might also be delayed. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. The Civilian Office of Police Accountability has released body cam footage of a police officer shooting and killing 24-year-old Reginald Clay Jr. in Garfield Park following a brief chase in mid-April. The video does not show Clay pointing a weapon at officers as previous testimony suggested. Mayor-elect Brandon Johnson's inauguration will be held at UIC's Credit Union One Arena on May 15th at 10.30 a.m., followed by an open house at City Hall at 2 in the afternoon. Details on tickets will become available Monday. United Airlines says it will hire another 15,000 workers this year, with about 4,000 of those being in Chicago. And some good news... In celebration of Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, the Apita Arts Festival is this weekend at the Chicago Cultural Center, Goodman Theater, and Museum of Contemporary Art. There'll be live dancing music, film screenings, installations, and a party Sunday night at the Looking Glass Theater in Streeterville. Check the show notes for more info. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Make sure you're reading our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, the best damn newsletter in the city at chicago.citycast.fm. Our newsletter editor, Sydney Madden, has some great options for Mother's Day meals. I'll talk to you bright and early tomorrow. Peace.